Welcome to Critics on a Bus, your favourite film review podcast, with me, your host, Cameron. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Critics on the Bus. We have returning again, the amazing Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. Yes, I did promise I would return. (laughs) did, and so quickly. It's fantastic. We loved your Black Widow review, so I had to have you back straight away. And what are we reviewing today? We are reviewing uh, the, okay, no, the, the Suicide Squad by James Gunn, who's directed it and uh, written it as well, starring a whole rostra of talent. You've got returning from the the David Ayer uh, Suicide Squad in 2016. You've got Viola Davies as Amanda Waller. You've got Joel Kinnaman as uh, Rick Flagg. You've got, of course, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, and you've got a, a few other familiar faces. But joining the kind of the, the kind of the, the new roster of the team, uh, you've got Idris Elba as Bloodsport, not um, Deadshot, because they wanted to keep Will Will Smith uh, open to a possible return. You've got uh, Daniela uh, Melechior uh, as Ratcatcher Two. You've got the likes of John Cena as uh, the uh, Peacemaker. And excitingly for uh, Doctor Who fans, you've got Peter Capaldi as the Thinker. And that's actually just scratching the surface of this ridiculously large cast. It's doing quite well at the moment. It's just uh, in the first uh, couple of days, so three-day uh, gross from the July 30th to the 1st of August, <laughs> 3.25 million uh, against uh, Jungle Cruise, which was a 2.24 million. So it's clearly hot in uh, the uh, uh, the UK uh, island uh, box office, and it's just open in, in the US. And uh, it, despite COVID, despite despite um, the kind of the reticence about going to the cinema, there does seem to be a positive trend predicted. Thank you. Yes. So the Suicide Squad. Not a reboot, not a sequel of the 2016 version. They consider it, I was reading somewhere from Margot Robbie that she considers it kind of like just a different comic book. The mm-hmm. same story, but just said someone else's take on the, on that story. And so, yes, we have returning people like Viola Davis, who is fantastic. And we'll get into her a little bit later. As Amanda Waller, she gathers together her ragtag group of villains who um, have all failed in being a villain and have been caught by the authorities and are in prison. And she gathers a huge bunch of them, like a massive force of them, onto this suicide mission um, against Project Starfish in a random Spanish-speaking island. If you've seen the trailers, you know exactly what Project Starfish is referring to. (laughs) It is exactly as it says on the tin, a giant starfish. And yeah, and this this film is just a bonkers mission led by villains uh, and a fantastic cast. And they go through a very James Gunn style story, very DC, full of craziness. And as they as they go through and try to protect America, because it's all about protecting America's interests across the world. Absolutely, It's all about America. So, yes. Uh, Amanda Waller um, sends these villains on an American peacekeeping mission to destroy um, Project Starfish and save America because they're now a threat and America can't have someone else being a threat to their interests. Um, And that's what she tells them. And that's what they're going to do. And so that's the film. And it's a huge, a huge single adventure. What I like about this film, it's just a standalone mission. It's not, not trying to do anything else. 
but tell this suicide this specific squad's mission and that's what it is so yes that is the suicide squad in a very short brief spoiler free review um dan do you have a, f- a crazy fact about this film you would like to share with us at all what's your um, favorite fact of trivia about this movie there's quite a wealth actually i think one of the the more interesting ones that completely took me by surprise um i was reading uh, today that um james gunn is quite surprised that nobody spotted the uh, guardians uh, cameo uh, palm clementate who plays mantis in guardian in the guardians um when they're in their corto maltese bar trying to find the thinker and and they kind of have a brief kind of relax uh, the team she does feature uh, very briefly uh, as a cameo which i completely missed i don't know whether you where is she no i didn't yeah she's in in the club apparently very briefly I mean, that's a heavy heavy scene with a lot of people in it yeah exactly so I'm not, i don't know why he's surprised that people didn't spot that they weren't exactly looking out for her but yeah that's um that's quite an interesting one there that um i think a lot of people have missed there there is a lot of crossover there's obviously michael rooker um who plays savant in the film he's obviously um in the guardians films sean gunn obviously does a lot of the motion captures for his brother who is the brother generally of james gunn mm-hmm. um he does a lot of the motion captures he also plays the calendar man I don't know if you realised he he's in live action and he plays the legendary Batman villain, the calendar man who kills people based on the calendar rhyme. Which, side note, if you've played Arkham City, is a great little Easter egg in there. She's sitting creepily reading the song, reading the poem in the basement of her core, I think. It's very, very, very good. There is... Oh, who else is in it? There's there's a few crossovers. Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah. Of course. Randomly. Of course. Taika Waititi. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> no, I've seen a few, I've seen a few articles recently about it. We're in, we're in, we're in the safe zone now that we can, we can not talk about it. And, of course... David Dasmashian, he's in it, and he's obviously in the Atman film. I love all... how you keep saying obviously, but I literally have not made these connections at all. So. Yeah, he's he's one of Atman's roommate's criminal friends. He's the tech guy, isn't he? Uh, yes, yes. No, I sort of, yeah, I vaguely know what you mean now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I say of course again, I'm assuming everyone else knows, Sylvester Stallone plays King Shark. Uh, well, the voice of King Shark, and he is in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 as one of the, the lead Ravengers from the other other groups of Ravengers. Yes, and Plume is in there. Oh, yes, Talone was in Guardians. Oh, wow. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, yeah so that, there's a, there was a lot of people who rallied to him. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it worked, clearly. Um, <laughs> uh, as well, I'm, I'm sure, go on, go, go on to allude to and more than. I remember, I remember we obviously, we went to see this together, um, and I remember telling turning around to you and just going how how are we going to review this so much happens in this film so I was very impressed that you managed to summarize um so succinctly because it is and I think it's the maddest film I I have seen in a long time at the cinema would you agree it is crazy it's it's but it's very it's very James Gunn you can see his unleashed style of guardians in this so you can see the very tamed contained guardians movie if you love the mcu if you watch the movie you probably like marvel anyway if you watch the suicide squad you can you can just see the the similarities between the two and how he's just been unleashed until just to do what you want frankly dc they've got nothing to lose so you know yeah stick a giant starfish in there love that giant starfish do do what you want about it you know absolutely crazy yeah there is so much 
that happens in this movie. First of all, I want to talk about the massive, in the plot, the massive, I don't know, dupe, dupe that they play on the audience, basically. Yeah. And we now um, truly are into spoiler territory, aren't yes, we? Yes, we are. We are truly. We, we were a long time ago. Um, yes, the massive dupe they play on in the fact that they, they mark it with Nathan Fillion, all these different people. I've been Jay watching... Courtney. Yeah, I've been watching all these, like, uh, IMDB, like, videos, like, Collider videos, everything. Empire videos, Fuller Borg as Javelin, Pete Davidson, Mailing, um, Captain Boomerang Returns. And they, like, <laughs> killed off in the first, like, five minutes. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Truly, truly what made me sit up and go, this is going to be a film that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely, one after one, they all just die. Yeah, and they set, they set. I love they set Savant, Mickey Rooker, uh, Michael Rooker, up as this like this bad guy. The way that the the film the film opens on him like in complete isolation in this cell. He's not allowed out of that cell, even you know by the way he speaks and he, he's very very controlled and they're very nervous about him and they bring him in and he literally sees people getting like blown up to pieces around him and just panics and swims away <laughs> and then his head gets blown off like you set him up so much and then he's useless it's brilliant you talked a lot about um already this being very kind of clearly stylistic of james gunn uh, and clearly emblematic of uh, of what we've seen before in guardians and, and previous films it very much is the the Star Lord when he starts to dance moment, isn't it? They play he plays it quite seriously, as you say. You really feel like that he's going to be a central. Frankly, so you open with Savon, and most films do tend to start with their protagonist, uh, and it's that great expect uh, expectation subversion where they complete he completely subverts the tone, which is quite clear. That that for me is was a very clear we are not doing the same film that happened in 2016 rest assured and i think they had to do that quite quickly because the central plot is actually quite basic and, and follows the similar tenets of the 26 2016 one but in terms of what it does with its characters and what it does with its knowledge of the audience and how to engage with the audience is, is brilliant right from the off. And incredible, as you say, blows his head off. Absolutely. Apt, very. We should say this is a very gory film. Uh, yes. Gloriously so. I can. I was reading once or twice about how people were surprised that it managed to get taken down from 18 to 15 in the uk mm. under the restriction was and i get the confusion if you think about a 15 year old watching some of that that would be quite shocking to some 15 year olds maybe to you but i would have loved it as a 15 year old <laughs> yeah but like it was and you know and so um yeah some some 15 year olds um could be quite shocked by what they see and the way that they see it i mean i mean you see it in the red band trailer king shark eats people and pulls them apart and like it's like playing with a head on point and like eating the bits out of a neck and all sorts of things that i guess a man-eating shark would do if he could walk around i suppose you know who knows but yeah the the film starts off and it starts off right in the action we know what the Suicide Squad is. We know what yeah. DC is. We know the whole point. And they don't waste time explaining it. They get right into it, right into a mission. And I like that this film, the whole plot is this self-contained mission in a way that they can sort of 
it's not rebooting it's not a sequel it's just amanda waller's off doing her thing again someone else survived the mission so they're still here. Margot Robbie still still potted around as Harley Quinn because she survived. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's 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 neither a sequel or a, a reboot or, or whatever. But it doesn't not it does rather it does acknowledge that there was a film previously. Very briefly enough that it respects that there was a previous instance where there was a, a Suicide Squad, and it does play very brief uh, reference to where Harley Quinn would be narratively in terms of at the end of Birds of Prey, and I'm glad that they do address that. I actually saw uh, some criticism that they actually uh, that somebody actually felt that Harley Quinn was actually shouldn't have been in this film because, and I, I totally disagree. Um, I think she's brilliant. She's amazing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but they said what James Gunn was trying to capture was the second rate losers, the stories of these kind of second rate, barely even second rate villains. And how he somehow is very powerfully able to kind of make them more compelling, like the polka dot man and things like that. Utterly ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> power, but yet yet somehow inherently compelling. And and they felt like there was no jeopardy, jeopardy when Harley Quinn was on the screen because you knew she was an A-lister, she wasn't going to die. Now, I totally disagree with that. I think she was actually absolutely, she she lifts it. She's got that star star power. And some of the scenes that she were in were, I think, more some of the most subversive, actually. But I, I, I digress. We'll probably get on to that. So I also think that this film does her amazing. This is the Harley Quinn I've wanted. I don't think that the original Suicide Squad, because it the way it kind of tried to change the Harley Quinn look and feel, and I, we have the differing opinions of Birds of Prey, um, mm. But this film is the Harley Quinn that I love. She is a terrific fighter and lunatic and, you know, demented, funny, but clever and strong and powerful when she's breaking out of her, of um, the the presidential palace, I guess you could call it. And, you know, she's doing the whole thing on her own with, you know, marksmanship and javelin throwing and all these different things. And flowers. And flowers and screaming. That's the Harley Quinn that we expect to see. And that, they don't, they just make it Harley Quinn doing her thing. And I think of anything, this has progressed her character way more. They, like, and it was so subtle. Like, in the beginning when you meet her, her, her costume is traditional Harley Quinn. It's what everyone wanted to see for a long time. That the red and black kind of justified costume. You know, Is it live long, die clown or something? Yeah, like something that. like that. But like that, but that was her kind of the, that color scheme and that that style with the, the the diamonds and stuff. That was her original look, and that's the one that you know they they butchered in the 2016 Suicide Squad. Tried something new, and they they just stayed away from it for Birds of Prey, randomly. I guess trying to reinvent her. But James Gunn was just like, nah, mate. Everyone wants to see this, and let's just make her badass. And they did. He was very much influenced by the Arkham games as well, wasn't he? I read somewhere that they wanted to kind of capture that red and white traditional look that had been. The thing is that, and that's a great Harley to be influenced by, to be honest with you. She's fantastic in the games. So um, absolutely take it away. Yeah. So I think Harley Quinn deserves to be in this movie because Margot is amazing at that role. Yeah, she Um, is. She did say, I, I read an article from her yesterday that she she filmed the Suicide Squad straight off the back of Birds of Prey. Oh, wow, um, that's quite intense. And she and but she's glad that the, that with the pandemic she's had this break and she's like, 
I'm ready to go back into um, to Harley Quinn. I'm ready for it. Give me give me all the roles with Harley Quinn now. She had she had a long period of time playing that character. She's had a nice break. It's been really well received, I th- I feel. And mm-hmm. so she's ready to go back. I'm so glad that she's she's here for it because she's fantastic in that role. It's, that's really one of the the standout thing that they need to. If they can get the Birds of Prey films right, then it'll be fantastic mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. So uh, back onto plot. I guess we're gonna we're gonna come come in and out of characters. I think throughout this throughout this kind of discussion, yeah, the plot is succinctly focused on one singular mission, and that is Project Starfish. Mm-hmm. I guess everyone has their own little agenda throughout the film. You've got Team A, who are Bantha fodder. Basically, they're there to die to create a distraction for Team B. Team B is the big hitters, the Idris Elbers, John Cena. The, they're the force to go in and to try and kill the giant space starfish. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's and, and that's what they go and do. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I already I alluded to earlier, didn't I, that the, the plot is pretty basic. And you sort of said we'll come in, in and out of characters. And you're right. We absolutely will, because... It's much more about how the team get on with each other than it is about the giant starfish. I, actually, I found the whole Stario uh, thing really interesting because I'm no big villain from Suicide Squad. I loved that it was utterly weird. I felt like it was completely in, in tone. Um, I felt like it was a completely different villain to what we'd expect. It, it was quite nice to see Peter Capaldi take up that villainous role as well. Um, slightly underused, but, you know. Um, I think he was very underused, by the way. Yeah. But it's I'm a just shame. a massive Peter Capaldi fan. Well, that's the thing. I think both of you and I are coming at it from an angle we know what he is capable of, and you don't put somebody like Peter Capaldi in there and not give him the, all the screen time. He has. I mean, he has his scene. He has his excuse me, his Doctor Who style rant. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, you know, he has his moment to deliver his lines with utter like silky malice and a Scottish accent, and just, you know, just to deliver his speech in the way that only Peter Capaldi can deliver an angry speech like none other. <clears throat> yeah, he, but he is, he's entirely underused. He's not really, and I guess it's because he's not really the villain, though I, I kind of wish he was, because yeah, he, he really is villainous to the point that the other villains were like, oh dang, this guy is horrific. <laughs> yeah, this guy's horrific. If you can make people who kill just anybody take a step back then you know you're bad and he and he just doesn't get time he doesn't get enough shining moments you get every moment he's on screen he's fantastic but that's just Capaldi I think that's very interesting you were talking about how they react to him because they play very carefully that I know I hate to go keep going back to the 2016 one but I do think you need to because it is the it is the most logical template they're very good at going actually these are bad people they have done bad things but there there's a redeemability about them whereas in 2016 i felt like it was far too far too cozy the end the climax the narrative that where they all just like oh do the right thing whereas this time if they felt very complex and like rat catcher 2 she's not really really a villain she's more of a victim um she has villainous tendencies but i felt it was quite interesting even with somebody like idris elba's um blood sport that 
that scene with his daughter where they're both shouting at each other and they're swearing at each other and it's absolutely there's a lot going on there it's, there's, a, there's a lot of kind of subtle kind of I want you to go away from me I'm a waste of space um I, that felt more convincing to me than the mirror with Will Smith's dead dead shot and his daughter that felt a little bit too clinical and um easy going whereas the, the fifth the rating of the 15 really gets you to, to explore the ugliest side of these characters but also the redeeming nature i left thinking you know what i'd love to see more blood sport i'd love to see more of his interactions with somebody like mark or, or, or robbie's um harley quinn they were endearing in a way that didn't compromise compromise the atrocities that they've done all the villain of villainous and natures that they've done I, I i felt and i think that was that's very deft character work i think one of the strengths of this movie is that it's a character driven narrative the ginormous starfish is second to the story of these people mm-hmm. and what they're doing whether that is running uh, a secret covert mission of like peacemaker does in you know he has his own submission and he's doing his thing very peacemaker like whether it's good or bad you know to um colonel flag helping out the freedom fighters and taking the 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 island and stuff so like but it's all very it's all very character based and that's what pulls you in because the plot is basic it's ridiculous it's you know giant starfish zombie people crazy and it really isn't that complex it's not really groundbreaking um it's one of my kind of issues with the the whole overarching film is that like the ending is still very cgi fest dc ending Mm. but they the focus of that film is so much more the characters yeah getting to know them and their specific individual journeys on this whether that's a good or bad journey whether that's a a blood sport being molded into this leader that Amanda Waller knows that he can be to Peacemaker just butchering his teammates because that's his job, because that's his mantra. And so they made it so character. Yeah, they made it so character focused that it works, that you cannot focus on sometimes the glare, the glaringly obvious plot points to the to the real character developments that they're given and they're given a chance to develop that throughout the film which is really really good yeah I, I, you're absolutely right the um the uh characters well the the twist the twist i mean i guess it depends on how much you know you can't comic law i don't when it comes to the suicide squad but the the pick kind of the peacemaker that that kind of uh, whole john cena's arc and um why they were actually there i felt was very very interesting uh, i really really enjoyed the whole hold on come on it's it, it america it's this is an american thing here it's an american uh, experiment and they've just got it off the grid they've got it off the ge- geographically off america they want to get it, it dealt with and there was missions within missions this is very this kind of very in keeping with that kind of more um madcap uh, elements of the kind of crime and drama if if you will could you call it that but yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting and actually was quite, quite timely and political and quite biting, actually, because the, the brief time that it, it wanted to go there, it did go there. And it was like, actually, no, the kind of 
the western kind of western ideals and the kind of the gung-ho let's let's sort out this this uh, foreign threat no we're going to subvert that this is a threat that was homegrown this was a threat that came from uh, american scientists and astronauts poking where they shouldn't have done and extradited it elsewhere and, and causing those foreign ripples i thought that was very a uh, very interesting interesting subversion i wasn't i wasn't overtly surprised by it i felt like that something like that had come along because it was falling in very stereotypical kind of representations of villainy and then then, they play plays it well yeah i do i do think though that again a comparison to doctor who it does become a bit more like a oh the humans in this case the americans meddled what they shouldn't have and all the starfish wanted to do was go home it's so it's so clever I just I just feel like for it just it at some points it didn't feel like starfish lord person I don't know what his name is Starro (laughs) Starro I didn't feel like Starro really represented big enough of the threat because he just sort of wandered through an undescribable amount of the town I can't imagine it's a very big town and that's it he didn't really do anything i mean yes he killed a lot of people because once they once the many starfishes got to your face you're dead yeah um and yes there's a lot of people dying but like it didn't feel like the consequences were great yeah i feel like they could have done more with the whole kind of very alien hr geiger like grab your face xenomorph-esque uh yeah uh stuff i'd have liked to see more you talked earlier about like Peter Capaldi being vastly underused. I wonder would it have been more interesting to him have him as a mouthpiece, and he's caught by one of the, uh, one of the the smaller starfish, um, so he can carry on being all Peter Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might have been a way to get around it. Um, yeah, I yeah I do see see what you mean, but um, ah, uh, it 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 didn't matter to me. I think in the end because I felt like the character work it did along the way was more than more than what i was expecting i came in with pretty low expectations after the last time you dragged <laughs> me to see a suicide squad film i'm just going to say that now so they, they were surprisingly um warm it, this film was surprisingly warmly received from me so going into a bit more of characters and since we've we've basically got into the fact that it's a character driven story i want to talk about actually i want to talk about something else instead I want to talk about the scene where they try and rescue Rick Flag from his captivity. No, yes. And yes. they wonderfully, very skillfully as villains and showboating go about and stealthily, though not too stealthily, I feel. Um, I mean, you literally catch people on fire, go through and kill this camp of, of um, bad guys. Yeah. quotes there and they go to rescue him and they found out they've killed the camp of freedom fighters i thought that whole thing was just brilliant <laughs> oh it was and uh, expertly done because it, it then pays off later on when the, you've got the small bullet big bullet uh thing and then that pays off when uh bloodshot uh blood sport bloodshot blood sport um shoots um uh, peacemaker um so even though that was comedic and brilliantly done, it still had a, 
a narrative echo later on, which I appreciated. But you're right, it was absolutely outrageous that the, the way they were killing people, it's like they were one-upping each other. And you can't get that in any other sort of film. And that's why I think it's very distinct. And that's why I really enjoy what the DC, DC uh, have been able to offer there. Because it, you would not get that in Marvel. Um, I love Marvel to pieces, but you would not get that in Marvel. Uh, maybe Deadpool-ish, but um, that's, that's a not, slightly Not great. anymore. No, that's true. The Disney acquisition that may may be more difficult. Though I feel I want to talk about this later, but I feel like this this could be the shiny new direction that DC needs to be taking, and I hope that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk about first of all a continually a continually amazing performance of Viola Davies. Yes, as yes, Amanda yes. Waller. That woman is incredible. She is an, a fantastic actor. And her performance, when, when for example, when she's face-to-face with Bloodsport and he holds the pen to her and she just tells people to stand down, she yells, stand down. I was like, oh, I stood up in my, I like, sat up in my seat, like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry, ma'am. Like, it was, she's just unbelievable. Yeah, she Every is. scene that she's in, she's so good. She tells a lot of the kind of, and bear in mind, I haven't really seen it. I've only seen clips here and there, but she seems to be channeling a lot of the energy um, from her performance in How to Get Away with Murder, where she's... I've seen the first season of that. She Well, she's a badass in it. Um, She absolutely is. Um, And I don't say that in a flippant, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, she's, like, really empowered. Yeah, you go. I I mean it in, in the sense that she's both empowered and incredibly complex like when she when she talks about like i see i I knew i'd make you a leader blood sport it i found that line very interesting because she did effectively fail and succeed into which she was very much embarrassed by her own team because they are that that beautiful scene where they stand up to her and well and just whack her over the head let's be honest (laughs) um maybe it's not that beautiful but um she plays that line in such a way where it's just like yeah i could have been manipulating you all along i got you where i uh, to where you want i want you to be but also i'm saving face because it, this didn't go to as planned because uh, he absolutely outmaneuvers her and she knows that um but she tries to turn that around uh that constant kind of bait and switch but i'm glad you mentioned about the uh the pen bit that bit is so good like flinch flinch wouldn't you flinch in that situation oh absolutely she she is commanding and she was one of the best things about the original Suicide Squad and I'm glad she's here because yeah. she is perfect. She's got such presence in that role and just as an actor that she you completely believe her. Oh absolutely. It's, it's just I don't I don't know what it is. I just I completely get why she is Amanda Waller. And I and I in a way you could you could say she's kind of that kind of person you would follow into the pits of hell. She's just so commanding. Wow. As, a leader, as a leader i mean her her ethics her ethics on the side <laughs> as, a, as a real person you know obviously that what she does is abhorrent she is probably the real villain of the film in all of yeah. them because you know she is ruthless and she will blow your heads off if you disobey her basically and or she will destroy your family and all your loved ones for you know not going along with her ridiculous plans but she's so commanding that you you almost just feel like you have to obey um, and yeah. i just think i yeah i think she she needs more and more credit than she gets 
Yeah, she's she's honestly phenomenal. Um, Viola Davies for Doctor Number Fourteen. Let's just get that. <laughs> but no, she's amazing. I think outside of her, obviously we Harley Quinn. We've spoken a lot about her already. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and I I genuinely feel that the the scene with her escaping her the the palace and everything she does is the best Harley Quinn scene in live action that we've seen so far. Yeah, it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. Yeah, it's 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 great. John Cena as Pace Peacemaker. That's a that's an interesting character. I was reading again. He's he's really taken to that role. He did a lot of promotions in costume in Hollywood. Yeah, um, he did. on the red carpet. He he went to the premiere in this costume. He's obviously just finished filming the first season of Peacemaker for HBO Max with James Gunn writing and directing that as well. And he considers this his second chance in Hollywood because he's tried to follow The Rock into, you know, Hollywood. And I really respect the grind. Anyone who can manage to get from where he is from doing the Tooth Fairy deserves accolades in in Dwayne's, you know, in Dwayne Johnson's kind of um, profession. And John Cena has tried to follow that up, and he's not had a lot of success because he's not as good an actor, maybe. Well, he's just not found the right role, and this he's not he's found the role. And I, yeah, and I think he's really found a role that suits him. He, you know, he can play that sort of—I don't want to say naivety or or stupidity. I don't know what I would consider peacemaker because he's he asks ridiculous questions, he says ridiculous things, but he's got such a focus and of of him in him. Yeah, there's this kind of like naive, methodical nature about him that he will get the job done. I've seen a lot of uh, comparisons between him uh, him as a kind of like a very bad version of Captain America, like very principled, very moral. But in this instance, his morals are, are, are skew if um, and aren't very reactive. It's just a very kind of tunnel vision, somebody with tunnel vision. An absolute sense of tunnel vision. Got to get in, got to do the job. That's that. And I think this could be a good role for him. It could be something that could save his acting career. Because I think he was really good. And I, I liked that he became the, the third or fourth villain in the film. You know, when he mm-hmm. has his mission, you know, I've got my agenda from Amanda Waller was to make sure that no information about Project Starfish leaves the island. And even if even if I have to kill the people I've been bonding with this whole movie, then I will kill them. And of course he does. He does end up he killing does. Rick Flack. Uh, and which... he almost kills, almost kills Rat, Rat, Rat Catcher too. Yes, indeed. And shoots at Bloodsport. Yeah. Like he yeah he does not hesitate in essence i mean he has uh, technically he did hesitate in killing Ratcatcher too and that's what led to his demise and you know frankly therefore he fails as a villain but that's just my harsh standards i put villains by but no in reality um he doesn't he doesn't doesn't come about killing other people because his sense of liberty i think is his big thing isn't it anything yes. for, for liberty and keeping the peace and no one will stand in the way of doing that for him uh, paradoxically men who believe that they uh, are trying to keep the peace often logically as we see do everything but that <laughs> so i think he was really good and i think i mean it is Elba's magnetic on screen as always you say as always but i've seen a lot of and, and I, to be fair i don't really know how far i can wade into this debate but a lot of people 
people a lot of criticism I've seen is being that yes he was brilliant in this role but recently he's had he's been miscast in in several roles and he's had not had that success just the top of my head I haven't seen the, uh, this film but I know the top Dark Tower that didn't go particularly well for him I don't think that had a lot of traction so old, people, pardon that's old that is that's four or five years yeah, and there's been a few other things as well. Why do you really three or four work? Um, he they 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 felt like that this is a role that he really settled in. Uh, I can't comment on that. I can only say what I saw in the Suicide Squad, and I think he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Much better role for him than Heimdall in the MCU. Heimdall was really limiting for somebody with the charisma that Idris Elba has. And I think he said that recently that he found like I I wanted more and I was wasted mm. and he was wasted in Marvel and I completely agree with him that he was completely wasted. Yeah, so I do think Daniela Mercury. This is really her breakout role into Hollywood. This is her first one of her first, if not her biggest thing that she's ever done. Mm. She's done a few TV TV shows. I probably spanish speaking tv shows i imagine many shows and this is her first real move into to to big cinema and i think she does really well because she's not like you said earlier she's not really a villain she is a victim mm. of her upbringing of her circumstance probably not even meant to be in prison where she is and she becomes becomes the hero of the film by you know using the abhorrent amount of rats on the island <laughs> to to um, take down star stario and she becomes the kind of emotional focus of the film as well um but i think she plays she plays that sort of vulnerability yeah that's sort of, but that sort of willing victim you know in the situation that she's in now you know she's obviously done wrong she knows she has and she is a victim of circumstances, but she plays that sort of kind of character well. I just I don't think she's a villain, and I think no, it's more the technology that she was given and was able to master that presented her as a threat. It wasn't the act, it wasn't her as an act, the acts and the things that she does, her morals, her ethics. It was the thing that she had that was incredibly uh, incredibly potentially in the wrong hands potentially very very threatening um which i think it which i think was kind of telling i think it's what like i said i alluded to earlier um it's what the 2016 film was missing that kind of heart that heart that wasn't cheesy and actually she gave a lot of heart uh, in her performance and it wasn't the fact that she was uh, like you say, she's not really a villain. It was more the circumstances that she found herself in, the technology that she had, which were kind of in the wrong hands, could have been used for very bad things. Um, so she wasn't really a villain. She's more a victim of circumstance. And I think the film does try to drive that home. She's more of a villain of survival. I think I mm. imagine when she was stealing, she was stealing to survive. So yeah. I think she's more of a villain of survival. The last thing I want to talk about before we move on it's just one little bit, and that is no one checked that the weasel could swim. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. That was, that was so brilliant. funny. And for the weasel, which I don't know why he's there in the film at all. <laughs> I think purely for that comedic moment of when they go in on mission, he jumps into the river. He doesn't tell them that he can't swim. 
he also just doesn't i don't know doesn't believe it himself he jumps head into water knowing he can't swim and drowns <laughs> it's just like the whole talk of that about him being a potentially a werewolf as well before and then just the moment he just falls and, and they're like he's dead i'm like oh okay it's that sort of film <laughs> i mean you kind of knew that from the trailers didn't you you knew what you're getting oh. into but oh my you really started if you didn't get it you got it then absolutely joke okay so this movie this way of doing a dc movie is this a future for dc yeah uh, i don't know because you can't tell it like if they wanted to do superman you can't tell a superman story like that or or, i don't know maybe you can and which some in which case somebody will go along and do it better than i will but I, I think it works because I think Marvel has survived for so long because it balances tone and it, it can have different genres, different tones very well. The DCEU tried to start with bleak kind of operatic drama and it actually didn't work. It didn't work for all of the characters at all, certainly not for Superman. Uh, maybe it did a little bit with Batman, but that wasn't really fully explored. And it's only actually, I think, where it found films that strike that kind of more zany, more fantastical vibe with something like Wonder Woman and the Suicide Squad, that this, the Suicide Squad, that it's really worked. It's definitely a springboard for more successful films, but I'm not sure that in itself is the recipe to look after the dceu especially when it's already splintered so much with the walking phoenix um joker you've got you've got the matt reeves batman um it doesn't it feels quite fractured at the moment i'm not sure that film itself is enough to salvage whatever this dceu is see i think that they should scrap the dceu just just bin it you failed Bye. and instead do what james gunn has done and i i think they need to focus on making just core adult superhero movies you know like you know joker the boys the the amazon show all those things so there's a there's a significant appetite for aggressive dark gory superhero films you know don't forget it's you know the marvel films is 10 years old now right so we were 15 16 when they started coming out or just a bit younger we're now older i hate to say it we're closer to 30s whilst whilst the whilst the marvel films have a broad appeal they appeal to us because we're now well invested in the story and we've just got to keep going like i've got to know how it ends (laughs) Um, and they they have that sort of easy watchability appeal that you can watch now with your families, with your friends, etc. The DC, just DC, should focus on making contained stories aimed at the generation who grew up with Marvel. Because we're now older, we're now embittered by corruption and politics and the way that the world works and how broke we are because you know old generations have ruined our lives and so wow. <laughs> <laughs> very political here and so we you know we have that we have that different view of the world now we can watch these movies for us that's why the joker worked you know the highest rated r-rated the highest grossing r-rated movie of all time 
that's why the Suicide Squad works. That's why they're Batman films. You know, they make make a Batman trilogy with with Robert Pattinson, and make it dark, make it investigative, make it really, you know, from the trailer, the Riddler looks a bit psychotic, not a spandex wearing lunatic like Jim Carrey was in the 90s. They've got Shazam coming up, but the first Shazam wasn't great. It was a bit too marvelly with a, you know, with a grey colour palette on the camera. Aquaman, in my opinion, was a big flop. And the fact... I did not like Aquaman at all. I'm not on board for Aquaman 2 getting in political, especially because they've kept Amber Heard. I'm not... What else have they got coming up? They're doing something different they got flash the whole black adam they got black adam with yeah they've got a whole bit but what they do is stop trying to connect the dots just make them their own little thing and just spew about instead of trying to instead of trying to copy marvel because it didn't work just knock out your own crazy lunatic and aggressive movies and make them superhero genre for for adults so to summarize narrow narrow the focus make it more adult or orientated and don't which i actually think marvel could probably sometimes do with as well um don't interlink everything so much in fact i think a lot of media at the moment could do with a kind of like let's have a little bit more standalone let's oh please yes front of us come up with some original ideas for once stop trying to create universes it worked for marvel and let them do it no one and no one else is invested enough to put the time so one of my big things and i've talked about in a few episodes before is that marvel invested heavily in time to build this interconnected you know they pumped the money in for a long time no everyone else wants to do it in a quarter of that time it doesn't work mm. endgame worked because that was 10 years of work if you can't be prepared to wait 10 years for your your extended universe then don't even come to me please Cameron has spoken. <laughs> okay, so with that, let's go on to music. Yes. Oh, music. Yes. So the music of this film, very James Gunn. I've been bopping to some of the soundtrack recently. So have I. Yeah. I'm curious to think if we have the same favourite. This is going to sound really, really morbid. When I say the uh, soundtrack, I think we need to kind of distinguish, distinguish from the like um, the kind of we're talking more about the kind of the the non-digestic mu- the music the music soundtrack aren't we here is that what you're looking yeah, at yeah so i mean and it's throughout the film and it's a james gunn kind of method of of using music he uses okay. actual songs yeah in, in place of scores so it's not so, a score it's songs that he uses throughout his man there's, there's a huge kind of varied 80s to recent pop collection throughout the film my favorite is um the jim carroll band the people who died <laughs> because i love the fact that that plays i mean it's an incredibly grim song oh my um but it plays just so juxtaposed well is it even a juxtaposition um i suppose it is in terms of tone and levity um but it plays over all the bo- uh the kind of the bodies uh, of the kind of that that a, that a squad um that go and um uh, and kind of a killed her we talked about at the start of the film um it plays as you see all of that and then we get the title to the suicide squad warner bros presents and i just think it's just absolutely ludicrous <sighs> it's it's just utterly potty it's it's 
it's just such a varied soundtrack. Um, it's just quite nice. You, you know, you've got people like Johnny Cat. You've got Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. You've got George Harrison. You've got you've got Granson and Jesse Reyes, which I know nothing no, no, next to nothing about. But if you've watched the trailer, you know that song is Rain. Um, you've got the, that is also Rain is my favourite song. I've been listening to that on repeat almost all day. I thought you might. I thought. And I might. think it is that the one used in the scene with the rain. I think so. I think it, I feel like it would make sense. There is, what you know, a shot they, is that though when they're all walking together with yeah. the music? That's proper. Like I don't care how cheesy it is. It was such a cool shot. I was just thinking about that earlier as well. That scene with when they they're all walking slow motion, of course slow motion in a line like badasses in the rain, and they come out of that mist. I thought it was very interesting that in the first the first team, they do that kind of shot against the american flag yeah right so it's very patriotic we're, like, we're doing this for america very and, that se- too, and that yeah. second scene later on when the characters have developed they've grown a little bit they've gotten you know they've gotten themselves to where they are you know they've, they've gone off mission at one point they walk out to a, a neutrality of of white and is that in essence subverting the expectations and saying they're not doing this then for america they're doing it for themselves mm. and so their their agenda has changed in the film yeah it's a nice parallel that is yeah i hadn't thought of that yeah i like that yeah it's good i like it um yeah <laughs> <laughs> Another. so yeah throughout the film i mean it's if you've watched again if you've watched gardens you'll know kind of james gunn's music taste and he does stick to that heavily throughout the film using these sometimes quite loud songs from every genre imaginable to give the film life mm. it's a very good soundtrack very rare very raried in a way it's also very kind of upbeat and punchy but also quite violent yes very at the much same so. time it's it's a weird sort of like uh, yeah i it's sort of like you're gonna suffer but be happy about it very nicely done that i appreciated that <laughs> thank i appreciated that personal ask of um a reference there very much so. <laughs> so that that's the that's the tone i get from from, from the soundtrack so you're yeah. absolutely right okay so dan tell us what have the critics said about this film oh, it's, been very, it's very very positive uh imdb 7.9 currently based on reviews Rotten Tomatoes, 93%, so certified fresh. And I, I remember James Gunn tweeted about that, and he was very happy about it. Um, the first time it happened within an X with short amount of time. 76% uh, on uh, Metacritic. A lot of people, um, the user score actually is 7.7, and the meta score is 74. A lot of, uh, kind of you've got things like the Suicide Squad coming from the Atlantic is very funny, bleakly self-aware and shockingly violent, a refreshing mix of familiar conventions and gory satire. I think the Atlantic get into the, the heart of actually what makes what for me, what made the film so irre- irreverent um, that it, it did feel so shocking in, in its kind of gore and, and the, the level of it is satire there. Uh, uh, IGN uh, had it as a, as a nine out of 10 uh, as amazing. Um, we're waxing quite lyrical about it. It's gone down well. There's there's no there's no denying that it has gone down well. I think there's a few people that have kind of and I've seen a few three stars from the Guardian um, kind of 
kind of dismissed its more kind of crash crass nature some people finding the kind of the gore too excessive but on the whole it's sitting quite positively there was uh, an incidence of review bombing that james gunner yeah, has done his best to sw- sweep under the carpet um but to be fair with every big picture now we are seeing unfortunately that trend of review bombing whether it's attached to a particular political aspect of the film or something regarding one of the stars irrespective of the film's quality we are seeing that and, and that was something i imagined that will continue uh, for a while but on the whole it is very positive um which is reflective i think of how we felt about it but i'm sure we'll get onto that now yes so thank you very much for a critics corner there Dan beautifully done so let's wrap up the episode by going to our scores and thoughts mm-hmm. so dan what is your score for the suicide squad and why i'm giving it uh, an 8.5 out of 10 really strong for me that is i just thought it was funny i thought it was well cast i was entertained crucially i i never I wasn't sat thinking, oh, what time are we at now? Like, oh, oh, we must be coming towards the climax. I was just along for the ride. It isn't perfect. Um, we talked about the plot being a little bit kind of paper thin would been would have been nice. Uh, although, as I, I did admit earlier, it, it isn't something that I felt was a deal breaker. I just thought, you know what? I had a great time. I felt like it wasn't a film like any film I'd seen in a long, long time. And yeah i can only just wax lyrical really i really i had a really good time with it um really good time wonderful wonderful <clears throat> i would give it an eight myself i think it was a fun gory bash not for everyone no <laughs> um very particular kind of people will enjoy this movie but i thought it was really fun it knew what it was itself and it stuck to that it didn't try and build a bigger agenda or a world build or establish it just you know, it had what it wanted to do. It had its mission, and it focused entirely on that. Wonderfully character-driven, great performances. I love that they're continually to develop Harley Quinn, and we see a proper Harley Quinn in this movie. And it's unapologetic about its villainness. It, you know, it it leans into the fact that they've got villains going going crazy on an island with no accountability and i love that they just go ham and they just do whatever they they want within the mission's parameters of course and they just are able to yeah just focus on on a on a real good thing though it does suffer with sometimes uh, lazy writing a little bit here or there oh the city has radio jammers we can't speak to you so that gets us out of the way for a little little bit or just a big, again, CGI fest at the very end with very little consequences of fallout. So it does it does fall off the wagon a little bit there in that, again, there's just a it's just a bit lazy in getting getting around the character narratives. But overall, I thought it was really fun, a really good direction for DC films. And it was just really well cast. I think the cast was strong enough to carry it through the, the laziness of some of some of the writing. So, yeah. And we, di- we didn't even talk about Polka Dot Man. <laughs> well, the whole, that whole scene with his mother, uh, with his mother a bit repeated, not. utterly glorious continued <laughs> joke. Really, oh, really tickled yes. me, that did. Uh, yeah, actually, that was a bit of, a, that was a standout as well. I mean, there's so much we could say about this movie. It, it was, it was, a, it was a great old time. 
Yeah, we bro- we finally broke our um, cinema curse. We are notorious for yes. me and Dan. When we go to the cinema together, we watch films that turn out to be terrible. Truly um, terrible. Truly terrible. And I think we finally broke that curse. Um, go us. <laughs> so that's it. Thank you again so much for coming today and reviewing the suicide squad and we can't wait to have you back on for another film in the future excellent don't forget everyone to listen like and share please 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 um share this with your friends so we can get an even greater reach we had a really good comeback with backward we want this to be even bigger and better so please like and share um leave us reviews etc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Critics on a Bus if you haven't already. That's all from me. And that's all from me. <laughs> Great. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening today and hope you really enjoyed this review. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for details of new episodes. See you in the next one. 